Well, this has been some kind of week, hasn't it? Here, 73 years, I've never survived a cyclonic bomb. <laughs> but now I've got that. It's on my resume, so. So how are you doing? So far, so good? Well, you haven't heard my message yet. <laughs> wow, I'm seeing some old friends. It's good to see all of you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of you may know that um, uh, for many years I was involved and in, was active in counseling ministry in several churches for, gosh, like 30 years or something. goes back to the, the 80s. And, uh, and it began when Janet and I were going through and having our marriage resurrected from the ashes. <laughs> and uh, so we went through a lot of healing in our own relationship. And because of that, we were able to minister back to some other people. And as we began to do that, people began to come to us, and we began to minister to them. And um, we realized that, you know, it was something that we had a kind of a knack for, and we began to get some training, and we started helping other people. And pretty soon we began to minister to people in groups. That's okay. We began to minister to people in groups, and then we began to do some individual counseling, and so over the years, we just kind of fell into that. And um, so, let's see if I can do this tactfully. Over the years, I began to gradually not do that. <laughs> Marriage ministry began to be something very difficult for me to do. To be honest, it invariably began to be hard to move through. Now, let me explain to you why that is. It, it seemed that to me, one partner would always come to me uh, desperate for help, and one wouldn't. And I would always find myself trying to convince someone to let me help them who didn't want any help. And let me tell you, that's no fun. And I didn't like it. And um, And so over a period of time, I, was, I just came to the place where I didn't want to do it anymore. It was like, I, I need to argue with you so I can help you, and you don't want me to, and so why do we bother? Is that okay for me to say that? There's people that do it really well, and they do it every week, and they help people, and I'm not one of them. And so I've chosen not to do that in marriage circles, except for friends who both want to work on it. They, people want to work on their marriage, and they need help. Man, I am all in. I'll go all the way with you. Is that fair to say? So, having said that, hi, Mike. Having said that, um, I'll lay out my message for you. But it wasn't always that way. Sometimes, um, well, let me say it this way. People would come to me, the message was, the person would sit there and look me in the eye and say, go ahead and tell me what you've got to say. But when you're done, I'm out of here and the marriage is over because I've fallen out of love. Now, when I tried to query them about what that meant, invariably they would say, I, have, I don't feel anything anymore. And I, and I have my heart's cold toward them, that kind of language. So, and back to what I was saying, some, it was not always that way, though. Sometimes the couple would show up, 
And both of them would come to me and say, we're just stuck. We just need some help, and the fire's gone out. We just need some help, and we've lost something called passion. And we would like to rekindle that. We don't know how to get this thing going again, but we'd like to. And I loved that kind of ministry, that kind of counseling, because you know what? God's really into that, because that's, that's people that want to. And when you got the want-tos, God's always ready to help. And many times the, 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 <laughs> the people would come to me, one person would come to me privately and, uh, and say, what can I do to make my wife or husband love me again? And that was always an interesting subject. Mm, usually it was a husband because the wives, um, for some reason, don't want to talk to a man about that. They would rather talk to a woman. But a guy would come to me and say, how do I get my wife to fall in love with me again? How do I get her to respond to me? And my uh, tact was always, well, how did you get her to fall in love with you the first time? How did that work for you in the beginning? And they say, and we would go through, well, they're courting years. And, and I said, what did she find about you that was appealing? What did you do that drew her to you? What did you do and how did you behave and how did you act? And what did she do that caused her to respond to you? And we'd go through that. And we make a little strategy and he began to court her again. And let me tell you, if she had anything left in her, that worked. Because women will respond to being treated kindly for the most part, unless there's been a lot of damage and abuse. And that's another situation. It's, and so when I talk to these men, it's funny um, how, my, how many of the men couldn't tell me what they did. <laughs> they couldn't go back and remember what they had done that was right because it was natural. It flowed out of a heart that was in love. And it was just a natural thing that they did that was just like, I don't remember. It was just we were together, and it was just a wonderful experience, and I seemed to do the right things. And now I can't seem to recreate that to save my life. And so we would begin to put together some things that tend to work with women, and we would go try those things and see what things worked. Because not all women respond to the same things, and I'm certainly no expert, am I, Janet? <laughs> So, but invariably, something would always come up called passion, and it was always missing in the relationship. And they, these guys just needed help getting it back again, <laughs> and the relationship had become passionless. It was missing, and something needed to be rekindled in the relationship. Do you know what I mean by rekindled? When I say rekindled, what comes to mind? Start the fire over again. Now, it may be completely out, and so you'll need to get some fuel, kindling, and some fuel. You may need to, um, to, um, to breathe, to start to rematch, to start it again. You may need to breathe on it, blow on it. All that stuff, and, and all these have analogies that I could make a whole sermon on, and I'm not going to because I'm trying to keep this short. But there, the, this... This rekindling thing would involve just some hard work and we'd spend some time trying to make that work. And eventually we would bring the wife in if we were stuck and ask her what we needed to do. And they nearly always had an idea. 
And that was the last thing that occurred to us. Oh, let's ask what would work. <laughs> you know how men are. So, but human love is a fickle thing, isn't it? It's been described as an intense feeling of deep affection for someone. Feeling being the key word there. And therein lies the problem. Because feeling is a really vague, nebulous thing. But passion, passion's an entirely different level of emotion than love. It's on a totally different scale than love. Passion's been characterized as an intense emotion, a compelling enthusiasm, a compelling desire. Compelling desire. It's more than just a, an attraction. It's a compelling desire. This is on a, an intense scale. So let me ask you this. And this is the question we'll launch this discussion on. What is it that takes love from a, a deep affection for someone into a compelling enthusiasm and compelling desire for that person? What takes this thing from this level of affection to this level of compelling desire? Just think about it for a moment. What launches someone from affectionate love into a passionate love? What is it about our relationships that grows cold and begins to get stagnant and stale in time in the absence of passion? Or put another way, why do people fall out of love? Have you thought about that? This is the point where you respond. We're actually going to have some discussion, and I'd like some feedback. And you don't have to have a right answer. You just have to have an opinion. And here's what I would ask you to do. Please don't let it point to anyone in the room, okay? But I would like your opinion about why people fall out of love. Can you tell me? I'm sorry? Routine. You get in a rut. Is that a good word? Woundedness, okay? Things you can't get over, offenses, unforgiveness. Is that the kind of language you're talking about? Okay, hurts, okay? Those are things, offenses. Abuse, okay, that would certainly be a problem. What else? Taken for granted, absolutely. A wall fixture, Right? Okay, these are all true. What else? Neglect. Absolutely. Desires change. Okay. Anything else? Different goals. Find yourself walking different directions. Is that what you're saying? Do you have a Kleenex, Janet? Roles we get stuck in. Is that like different directions? Oh, I see. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So a woman may become primary in the... Right. Values. 
Things may change there in the heart, right? Oh, thank you. I've got some allergies going on. I apologize. It just drives me crazy. My nose is running. Apologies. So here's, here's some things that cause us to fall out of love. Now, does that mean that this is a permanent situation and it can't be remedied? It just has to be recognized and taken care of, doesn't it? So let me go further with this. We're going to have some more discussion here in just a moment because I, I want to get you involved in this, this, this discussion. It might interest you to know that Jesus had the same discussion with one of his disciples. Did you know that? You didn't, did you? In fact, it was Peter, and it's always Peter, isn't it? <laughs> I, I identify with him so much because he's just dumb as dirt. And, uh, and he always opens his mouth at the wrong time, and Jesus said, I knew it would be you, you know, because you're the only one that opens his mouth. So here it is in John 21, and Jesus is instructing Peter, and he says to him, as when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, and you know it's always he's in trouble when he says, Simon, son of John, it's like saying, Bobby Brannon, and my mother used to say that to me, and said, do you love me more than these others? Do you? And then he begins to describe the kind of love he's talking about. Now, do you love me like this? Do you love me with an over-the-top, on-fire, intense, drop-dead commitment and devotion, a passionate kind of love? This is the Holloway version, okay? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know, I love you with affection. Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. But you know, the discussion wasn't over because Jesus hadn't made his point yet, had he? So he says, um, again, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? with a total, out of this world, all the time, fully developed, mature, and never-ending commitment and devotion, kind of passionate love. And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you with affection. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, <laughs> and Peter's thinking, <laughs> is this going to be over with? He says, Simon, son of John, do you, just, do you just love me with affection? Do you just love me just with affection? And you know, Peter's just busted because he can't tell him he loves him like that. He can't tell him he loves him with the passionate love. All he can tell him is the truth because you don't lie to Jesus, do you? Because <laughs> he knows the truth. He knows that you just love him with a friendship. That he's not sold out. He's not totally committed. He's just like you and me, isn't he? He kind of loves him. He wished he loved him with all his heart, but he doesn't. And he's going to have to tell him the truth. And he says, you know, and this is the Bob Holloway answer because I say this all the time to Jesus. Lord, you know. You know, you know that I love you with an affection. And Jesus said, go ahead, feed my sheep. Now, what was Jesus doing? Was he going to release this man to go start the church that would change the world? Absolutely. Who else would he release? 
This is all he's got to work with is people like you and me. People that are casual lovers. People that wish they could but aren't. People that affectionately love Jesus but aren't totally committed. People that don't have passionate love but wish they did. You got it? You with me? See, Jesus did know, and he still, he didn't hesitate to commission Peter. He didn't say, boy, I wish you were a better man than this. He said, you go do it. Go feed my sheep. Do the best you can. He goes, you know this? When I'm gone on the day of Pentecost, someone's coming that's going to help you. And you're going to be my man. And you're going to do it well. See, the Holy Spirit would come and school him because that's his job. Peter would become that man eventually, wouldn't he? Years later, what would that passionate love look like when it matured and became fully developed in Peter? He'd stand tall, wouldn't he? He'd be everything he wished he could have been on that day when he told Jesus, I don't love you like that. Peter had already seen what that passionate love looked like because it had been modeled for him in the life of Jesus. He already knew what passionate love looked like. He'd seen it modeled not only in Jesus' life with the people who followed him and the compassion that he just poured out on the broken people. He'd seen it in in his compassion for people that were not worthy. He'd seen it in people that he fed that were starving. He had seen it in his healing, and certainly he saw it as he was crucified. So he knew what that looked like, and he knew he didn't have it, don't we? Later, the Apostle Paul had apparently been trained in this same passionate love school of the Holy Spirit, and he wrote about it in his own experience. And he described what this passionate love looked like in some incredible language. I love to read this. This These are the words of Paul as he describes passionate love. It's the love that's compelling. He says, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love... I've gotten nowhere. (laughs) So no matter what I say or what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. And in my opinion, this is Bob speaking, this is the key quality of passionate, mature love is that love cares more for others than for self. It's the signature of passionate love. Love also doesn't want what it doesn't have. It's mature, passionate love is satisfied and content. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. In fact, it's usually about you first and meeting your needs. Doesn't fly off the handle. It demonstrates a mature self-control. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. 
takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything within healthy bounds. That's my note. Trust God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. See, that's a perfect description of passionate love. If you want to know what it looks like, Paul described it perfectly. And that, my friends, is the picture of Jesus in his ministry. So how did Paul come to know this about passionate love? He had experienced it. First, in his, in his one-on-one experience with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, because he had never met Jesus in person, alive. Everything we read about our doctrine and theology from Paul was received from the resurrected Christ. He was, he was a broken man. Paul was a broken man, and he always walked in grace from his experience, having received forgiveness from Jesus after he had murdered Stephen and persecuted Christians. He had always walked in a forgiven state, understanding what it meant to be forgiven and receive the love of Jesus. And I thought, as I studied this passionate love, that I was done with this, and this will be my message to you tonight. And I was about to close the pages on this, and the Lord prompted me to read on. So I'll give you the rest of this, and you can do with it what you want, but the rest was for me, probably. Here's where the message took a turn. One minute I was studying passionate love about marriage and relationships. The next minute the Lord jumped me into the book of Revelation, chapter 2. And as I was reading further on the subject, I had to stop and consider what he was telling me here. This wasn't a, it wasn't a different message, but it was deeper. So consider this. And this won't be for everyone, but for the, those who it's for, you can just take it with you. I'm going to read this to you, and you can draw your own conclusions. Revelation 2, this is Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he's speaking on the same subject we were just talking about, passionate love. And he says to the church here, I know all that you've done for me. You've worked hard and you've persevered. Way to go, church. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. Yet you have not become discouraged. Isn't that a good commentary? Any church will be proud to hear that. And then he says, comma, but... I have this against you. You've abandoned the passionate love that you had for me in the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen. Now do this, he says. Repent and do the works of love that you did at first. Now, this is not a come over here and I'm going to spank you thing. (laughs) This is a loving father saying, come here and let's have a talk. I want you to do something different. You've gotten away from what we started with. This is for your sake. I love you so much and what we started with was precious to me and you've lost your way. 
Everything that you do has to come out of a motivation of love or it becomes religious and carnal. I get back on track. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that in relationships? How do we do that in our marriage when we lose track and we lose our way and we need to go back and find our partner? We do it with tenderness and communication and we sit down, we refuse to let go of that connection and we hold to that all the while speaking words of, of love and encouragement and truth. And so the Lord's saying to us, as the one who refuses to let us go, he will never talk to us about divorce. But he calls us back to this beautiful place of relationship. And he says, press in. Press in to this place of love. Because I want you, everything you to do, to come from a place of the work of love. Does that make sense to you? I want everything you do to come from a place of an expression of love and joy and not from a place of obligation and duty and dread. I want you to enjoy what you're doing. Now, that's probably for me and not for you. But if it's for you, you can take it away with you. I had a, uh, a word of prophecy given to me in 2012 from Bob Hazlitt. And he told me, that year, he said, Bob, um, people have told you you probably need to retire. But I want to tell you this. He said, you've already retired. You retired years ago. And you needed to. Because you know what? He says, this is, you've never meant to be in ministry. You were meant to be in service. You were meant to be working in a work of love. And you need to get back to what I've called you to be. And since then, I've been pursuing that path. I've been moving back into a place of works of love. And I'm still trying to find my way. Does that make sense? And I encourage you to do the same thing. Our Father is good. He's loving. And He wants to embrace you. And from that place of love, He wants to go with you to do the works of love. Would you let me pray with you? Okay. Father, I, I do pray this word was received well, that no one heard condemnation, because that's not who you are. You're such a lover, and you have nothing but um, acceptance and love for your children. You're calling them to you. You never push them away. And so, Lord, we just look to you and we say, how can we learn to love you passionately? Show us, Holy Spirit, how to come closer and not farther. We trust that you will do that for us as we say, yes, Lord. And if you agree with me, just say amen. Okay. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Let's go eat. <laughs>